You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. I love, uh, I love Mother's Day. Uh-huh. That's a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, I love mothers, but I love Mother's Day in the vineyard because of the history. I've never, you know, throughout all my traditional days in, in, in the church, uh, Mother's Day was just a nice day to give flowers away and do those kind of things on Mother's Day. Except for in the history of the vineyard, it was on Mother's Day that the Holy Spirit showed up and blew the Anaheim Vineyard completely up with his presence and his glory. And it changed forever uh, the direction of, of the vineyard as a movement. Without a uh, doubt. Just amazing. Lonnie Frisbee was the name of the young man that came and ministered. And so when it gets Mother's Day, I just think in the vineyard, Holy Spirit's up to something. And gosh, the worship was so amazing. Thank you, Gloria team. That was just so, the presence of the Lord was just so wonderful. And so I, I just want to uh, commend and say, don't underestimate what the Lord wants to do on Mother's Day. Don't get lost in uh, the flowers. Uh, stay present in the aroma and the fragrance of the Rose of Sharon, Jesus. Well, we've been looking from uh, Easter all the way through Pentecost. We're looking at this, this stretch of time in the life of the church in which we're looking at all the, the resurrection and the events that, that followed. And uh, I, I was just kind of interested in all the people that Jesus singles out after he's resurrected from the dead. It's interesting how he does that. When he, when he, he talks to, to Mary and, and he calls her by name and she hears it, and we looked at that last week, and she is called by name. And when he says Mary, she, she didn't recognize him until she heard her name and heard his voice say her, say her name. And then she knew it was the Lord, singled out Mary. And then the, the instructions, as she was to go, was to go back to the disciples and tell him that he was alive. And Peter, Peter gets highlighted, go figure. The one who denied Jesus three times gets highlighted in the post-resurrection stories. He even gets highlighted even more in John chapter 21, which we'll look at a little later. But today we're, we're still in John 20. And there we, we see the highlight of Peter. But this morning he highlights who? Thomas. Thomas, because he was such a strong man of faith. He believed so much, was so quick in, in his love and devotion and belief. Oh no, I got the wrong guy, don't I? <laughs> Oh, that was John. That was John who looked in the temple and, or looked in the tomb and all he saw was, was the sheets, the garments, the, the wrapping cloth, and, and he believed that Jesus had resurrected. But here's Thomas, just the opposite side of John. I just thought, Mother's Day, this is, uh, Mother's, this is no take on you. It just so happened that this was the, the way the, the passages crumbled. <laughs> and so we're looking at it. So I'll be reading from the NIV. 
John chapter 20, beginning at verse 24. I've cut it down to seven verses. Are you impressed? (laughs) Come on, be impressed. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you're so good. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. You're the one that gives us even the ability to believe. And we thank you for the enabling grace that goes before that prepares us to believe truth when we hear it. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, as these words get opened for us, open our hearts, open our spirit, open our bodies to receive in full faith the word that you have for us today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the Passion Translation. Oh, brother. One of the twelve wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas, whose nickname was The Twin. So the disciples informed him, We have seen the Lord with our own eyes. Still unconvinced, Thomas replied, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger, and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. Then eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in the house together. Even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. Then looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hand into, the, into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. Then the words spilled out of his heart. You are my Lord and you are my God. Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe, but there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts, and they will be blessed even more. 
Jesus went on to do many more miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even included in this book, but all that is recorded here is so that you will fully believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God, and that through your faith in him, you will experience eternal life by the power of his name. Praise the Lord. Singling out of Thomas. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm really glad Peter always just impetuously ran forth and blurted out and did all the stuff that he did. Uh, last, last week in our community, or our community dinner, yeah, David uh, Graham was saying, yeah, I just love Peter. So blessed, Peter, because I'm just like him. And I thought, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I wonder how many of us would say, thank God for Thomas. Thank God for Thomas in the scripture. Because <laughs> if we didn't see that it was okay to be a disciple and still have doubts, uh, how many of us would still stay around? We would think that because we have doubts, we're fouled out of the game, that we're no longer allowed to be included. But that's just not the case. The Lord knows us. He knows us inside and out. And so he's so gracious to us. Here's the testimony that the disciples have. We have seen the Lord with our own eyes. And I just remind you that in Luke, as they're walking to Emmaus, that's the thing that they're all struggling with because they've, they've seen the tomb, they've seen that it's empty, they've heard the testimony of the angels through the women, but they haven't seen him. But now the disciples have all seen him. The women have seen him, Peter's seen him, the disciples have seen him, the two on the road to, Deme uh, to Emmaus have seen him, and poor Thomas, he's just out to lunch. <laughs> have you ever felt excluded? I mean, how come I wasn't invited? A and here he is, for whatever reason, he's not present when the Lord shows up. Thomas's testimony, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless, unless I see it, unless I touch it, unless I place my hand in his wounds, I will not believe. Whoa. I think it's really interesting that when, when sometimes we throw down the gauntlet like that, we don't get rebuked by the Lord. Have you noticed? It, it, Thomas isn't rebuked. He's addressed directly, but he's not rebuked. And so when you have, when you have a legitimate doubt, when, when there's things that are going on that just don't make sense and you can't figure out how in the world do you make sense of this because it's so anti everything that you know and what you believe, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm struggling right now. I've got some doubts. Uh, your word says you're my provider. <clears throat> and there doesn't seem to be enough to pay the bills this month, Lord. I need help. <laughs> or we can say, well, Lord, it must not be true about you. You must not be my provider. You provide for Chuck, but you don't provide for me. <laughs> okay. And, 
and what the enemy tries to do is he's constantly trying to get us to distance ourselves from the Lord just because of our, our doubts, our fears, our need, our lack, our pain, whatever it is that he can use to bring distance. But I hope that you're starting to learn that whatever's causing pain, whatever is strategically wanting to be used of the kingdom of darkness to bring separation and distance, that is the stuff that we need to walk into and embrace because there we discover something about God that we would never discover any other way. The only way sometimes we can understand how utterly wonderful he is, is through embracing the pain that we're going through and going step after step and learning and discovering how he is the sovereign Lord, how he is so good. So there we are. We have the testimony time. Everybody's saying, I've seen him, I've seen him, I've seen him, I've seen him, he's so good, he's so good, he's so good. But I haven't seen him. So where do we go from here? Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, eight days later, I noticed that the NIV put that it was a week later. So, you know, being the analytical nerd that I can be sometimes, I thought, well, I gotta go back to the Greek and see what's here. And sure enough, it's eight days in the Greek. I thought, ah, come on, you NIV people. Let's get this right. Eight days later, the settings, they're still, they're still in locked, they're still in the house and, and the doors are still locked, which tells me that there's a, there's a measure of fear or there's just a measure of let's be safe, let's, let's err on the safe side, let's make sure we're locked because uh, there's still the persecution that's going around Jerusalem. Uh, they're, they're still trying to figure out what happened to Jesus's body. But here they've already seen him. He's breathed on them the breath of the Holy Spirit, and he's commissioned them to preach the forgiveness of sins and repentance to everybody. And here they're still in locked doors. But that's not hard for Jesus' resurrected body. Continue to ask the Holy Spirit to just expand your understanding of what is this resurrected body that Jesus is the first fruits of. Jesus is the one that has gone through and conquered death and three days dead, and then he comes alive. And then we see that it's, it's, it still has nail prints. It still has the scars. It still has the recognizable features, but yet sometimes people don't recognize. I don't know if Jesus had a big hood on. Uh, seems to be popular these days. How many times you see young guys in their hoods and you don't even know who who's underneath that hood. I don't, I don't know why, but they, they weren't, he was able to talk and teach. But you know, you recognize voices. Jeepers, I recognize my wife's voice. She recognizes her mother's voice. When in the morning when Deb's still sleeping, Gigi's clanging around in the kitchen and I get up and I start talking with Gigi. All of a sudden, instantly Debbie says, I heard you and mom talking this morning. And I'm thinking, okay. The voices that we know carry and we're able to recognize them, but yet Jesus walked with the two on the way to Emmaus and they never recognized his voice. Huh. But then Mary, on the other hand, 
When he's the gardener and he says, why are you crying? She doesn't recognize his voice. But when he says, Mary, bingo, she realizes it's Jesus. He eats, but he goes right through walls. He goes through locked doors. He appears. I love that. I love that. To me, it gives me great hope. It gives me great hope. Anybody want to start learning kind of New Testament travel? You know, like, let's get so immersed in the body of Christ that the effects of the glorified body that he has for us, we begin to start seeing manifestations of it. And then let's, let's, let's just get the coordinates. Where do we wanna go? Oh Lord, beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. And it's like, hmm. But for us with our sci-fi culture, it's like it gives us a, a little bit of a handle of what takes place. After the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter two, it's not Jesus that gets translated, but we see others gets translated. Philip gets translated. Other Christian disciples get translated. Now, you don't have to take that. You don't have to believe that. It's not necessary for you to go to heaven. But I think it's something for you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit about. Say, is there any place you want me that I can't get to? <laughs> and I've got testimony after testimony of, of brothers that I've met that have talked about the Lord getting from one place to another place supernaturally. And it's just like, oh, okay. I haven't experienced that yet, but I have driven for long periods of time that seemed like it was like that. And that's because the Lord's presence was in the car. And when you're in his presence, it's like time doesn't really factor in that much. And you're just enjoying him. I was driving all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, coming home in my 1985 Jetta turbo diesel. And the presence of the Lord came and we were just testifying and worshiping and singing in the presence of the Lord. And next thing I know, we're home. And it's like, how did that happen? Now it still took the same amount of time, but I just wasn't conscious of it. So what are you saying, Rick? What are you trying to say? There's some mysteries in the kingdom. Let's not get off kilter because we're pursuing the mystery rather than the one who is the one that brings mystery. Let's continue to pursue him. But in the happenstance that as you're pursuing him, you begin to experience something that's a little outside the box, don't get nervous. Thank him for it. And keep on trucking with your intimacy and your focus with him. So Jesus suddenly appears. I love it when suddenly appears happens. And what's he always do? The same thing that the angels do, the same thing that anytime you're, you've got a, a person show up and you didn't know they were gonna show up, you, you say peace. It's kind of the, the Hebrew way of greeting one another. Shalom, peace, peace to you. But I think when you're startling and scaring people half to death, it really helps. I, I, need, I need an automatic peace uh, emitter, something that just emits peace because 
already, even today, I've scared Michelle half to death. <laughs> but in the course of the week, I imagine there's at least four times a week that that poor lady jumps out of her skin because I, I appear suddenly. <laughs> don't underestimate my sneakiness. No, I, I don't know what it is. I'm just walking out of my office and I come in and it scares her to death. She can be in the kitchen washing dishes or doing something on her computer. And I scare the poor. I need a nonstop peace emitter. So my best, my best attempt at doing peace is that when I open the door in the mornings and she's here, I just start going beep, 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 beep. And like I'm in reverse or something like that and, and just try to give her a heads up. Jesus had to give him a heads up and he starts off with peace, shalom. Then he singles Thomas out, looking Thomas in the eyes, right into his eyes. Oh, oh. Can you imagine what it's like to have Jesus look you right into the eyes? I've got some testimony books that I love reading. And, and some of these folks who've had experiences and encounters with Jesus, and they speak of when Jesus shows up and looks them in the eyes, what they experience. And they all are absolutely the same. They're completely undone with how much love gets communicated when Jesus looks you in the eye. When Jesus looks you into the eyes, it does something. It just releases the love of God right into your spirit, your heart, your soul, your body. It's amazing. So anytime you get a chance, look Jesus in the eyes. Invite him to look you in the eye. Let's, let's see what happens when he does that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, coming from where I come from, I'm thinking if I'm Thomas, and I just said, I'm not going to believe unless I see it and touch him and hear it. And, and all of a sudden, and he's looking me in the eyes. I just go, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, the shame that would just. Jesus never shames us when he looks us in the eyes. We've got to understand that when he looks you in the eyes, it's because of his love for you. And as he looks into Thomas's eyes, Thomas just melts. Jesus goes on and he speaks. He says, put your finger here in the wounds of my hand, my hands. Here, put your hand into my wounded side. See for yourself. Do you think Jesus heard Thomas eight days earlier? I mean, or were the disciples just praying and saying, oh, Jesus, Thomas is doubting. Would you please show up and, and show him your wounds? And, and, no, I, I think Jesus knew what Thomas was, what his issues were. And he addressed every one of them. He didn't leave any of them out. And then he adds, see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. I believe that that is a word in season. There is a time when Jesus will let us 
go with our doubts and, and with our struggles and stuff like that. He, he will allow it to, to take place. But it seems like there's always a gathering of us into his heart that he says, that's enough. Don't doubt anymore. It's time to believe. Has anybody ever experienced something like that? When you know that you, you can get away with this for a while, but then the Lord just continues to reveal and to reveal and to reveal and reveal, and then you realize, oh, it's time to start believing this. I think when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit, that's often how he functions. First time I heard things about the Holy Spirit, I didn't have any way to conceptualize and understand that as truth. And so I would keep it at a distance. But then as I was exposed and exposed and exposed to more truth, more revelation from the scriptures, more personal testimonies, more encounter, more seeing that the Holy Spirit does function this way, all of a sudden it comes a moment in time and space where the Lord says, it's time to stop doubting this. It's time to believe. I love it when that time comes, especially with my Baptist friends. I just love them. They love the scriptures so much and they love the word. And, and we were having home group at our house and, and our neighbors right behind us, they had come, they had been serving in Sunday school at the Baptist church and he's trying to evangelize our kids. And uh, we just, just really think he's precious. And so we, we get relationship. We invite him over to our home group. The Holy Spirit breaks out. His wife starts speaking in tongues. And, you know, now they really got a dilemma. What are we going to do? You know, and it's like, okay, sometimes God's not real politically correct, you know, theologically easy. He just shows up and he does. So here they are. They're evangelistic. They're, you know, the, the husband's really upset because the wife got the gift before he did. So he was pretty ticked with God. Well, how's come Marlene can do that and I can't, you know? And so he, he's deliberately, and within the week he's, he's received his and he's speaking in tongues. And now they're inviting some of their Baptist friends over to our house for our home group. And the home group people that are coming in from the Baptist church are sitting there. And sure enough, Marlene starts manifesting. The Holy Spirit comes on her. She's flopping on the floor, just really quite hysterically. You know, here, here's this little, wonderful, precious little Baptist believer that loves the Lord with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's on her and, and she's there and she, she's just overwhelmed continuously in the presence of the Lord. And it's like, what are, what are we supposed to do? And her friends say, now, God, if that's really you, have Marlene flip over to the other side. And sure enough, Marlene flips over to the other side. Well, God, if that's really you, have her flip back to the other side. And Marlene flips back to the other side. And it's just like the things that happened to Marlene, so the Holy Spirit could, could prove and, and give witness that this is, that, it was just hysterical. It was amazing. The Holy Spirit is amazing. And we can be exposed to so much, but sometimes there's a time when the Lord says, 
stop doubting. It's time to believe. You've had enough truth, you've had enough experience, you've had enough witness, you've seen things. It's time to start to believe what I'm doing. So what's Thomas do? <clears throat> his response, the words just flow out of his heart. I think that's because of Jesus looking into his eyes and the spiritual dynamic that takes place in that moment is so incredible that boom, this out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so his heart has, has believed. And so he just blurts it out from his heart. You are my Lord and you are my God. Mm. That's the, his confession. I don't think Thomas was ever the same after Jesus looked into his eyes. Hmm. Jesus responds to Thomas, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. Yay. And some of us are of the type that we have to see to believe. We have to see it to believe it. There's something in, in our uh, accreditation and how we validate and how we evaluate whether it's true or not. It's not true until we see it. And so they, there you go, you've seen it. But he goes on to say, there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but they have believed in me with their hearts. I've never seen Jesus face to face. I want to, <laughs> I'm pursuing it. I, I, I long for that to be a reality, but in my heart, I believe, I believe. We didn't walk with him on the road to Emmaus, but yet his presence, his truth, his spirit has encountered us over and over again. He, in the conviction of the Holy Spirit that brings us into awareness of our need for a savior, of forgiveness and repentance, is just one of the most wonderful things in the whole world, even though it may not be a pleasant experience at the time. But after we surrender and after we press through and we embrace and we confess our sins, we find that he is absolutely loving and kind, that he hasn't brought a level of pain into our life to shame us, but so that we could be redeemed. And it's like, wow, that's so good. But he says, for those that have never seen him, that believe in him, they will be blessed even more. Yeah. I just really like that in the Passion Translate. They will be blessed even more. So tell your neighbor, you're blessed even more. Can you believe it? God loves you so much, you're blessed even more. How many think that if you see Jesus tonight, that you won't be blessed even more. <laughs> I think you're gonna be blessed even more whether you see him or you don't. But if you don't, guess what? There is, there is something of faith that even as Jesus talks about the centurion, that he hasn't seen so much faith even in Israel because he says, you don't have to come to heal my servant, just speak the word alone. I'm not worthy to have you to come into my house. There's something about faith that seems to get extra, extra blessing 
extra notice from heaven gets a little asterisk in the scriptures. Hmm, blessed even more. And then the passage ends up with, with verses 30, 32. Jesus went on to do more miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even included in this book. Later on in John, in chapter 21, he says, if, if everything that Jesus said and did was recorded, there wouldn't be uh, enough space for all the books. You know, it's just amazing. But here they're just focusing on the miraculous signs. The miraculous signs that are recorded in the scripture and in no way is exhaustive. But all that is recorded here is so that, one, you will fully believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God. Everything that's been written, the testimonies that have been given is to help our doubts to be satisfied with truth, with his presence, so that we truly, truly believe, fully believe, not partially believe, not, yeah, I believe, giving intellectual, Ascent. Yeah, I believe in Christianity and I believe that Jesus came and that he died and on the third day he was raised and then he ascended to, to heaven. And theoretically, conceptually, I just embrace that. But to fully believe requires your mind, your heart, your spirit, your body, your soul, your will, your emotions. It requires everything. And that's why when Jesus says, what's the great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It, it, it's to love him with everything that you have and everything that you are. He goes on to tell us that through your faith in him, you will experience eternal life by the power of his name. Now going back to the NIV, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Yay. That you may have life. Not existence, but that you may have life. The word there is, is from the root word for, for zoe. It, it, it's, the, it's the Greek understanding of life that is beyond just your brain's working, your lungs are working, your circulatory system. It's beyond just physical dynamics of existence. It's living life to the full. When Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full, this is the word, that you would be fully, fully, fully alive. A lot of times when we read this, we say, if we believe, then we'll have life, eternal life, which means heaven. Well, it does mean heaven, but it means now, that you will have life now, not just for when you die and go into the great by and by, but as you experience the reality of his presence, of his kingdom, uh, of the fullness of his dimension, even today. So I, I look at this, I just say, this is so good. Life now, it's way beyond existence. I was sleeping on Friday night and the Lord was just going through this again. And he says, I didn't come that they might have existence. I've come that they might have life. And he says, 
Many, many on the earth are only existing, but I want them to know the fullness of life, of what I had in my heart when I created man and woman in my own image. Believe, more than just an intellectual ex exercise, it, it gets manifested when we really believe something, we really, really believe it, we have faith, we trust it, we step out in obedience, we obey. We start doing and acting and making choices and decisions and taking direction based on what we believe. <laughs> and there is a blessing in that wonderful belief obedience that releases the blessing of the Father's heart upon all of us. So this morning I'm thinking, if you don't know Jesus, today's a great day to update your relationship with him. If you've accepted Jesus when you were five years old, 12 years old, 16 years old, it might be time to update uh, your, your experience, your relationship with him. If you've been, you know, for me, I, I look back and it seems like I almost got saved over and over and over again. What I didn't realize is that there's, there's just different levels of development of who Jesus is and my understanding of him that as I get to know him more, it allows me to surrender to his lordship in a greater, greater way. And I, I felt like the Lord's saying that this morning would be a good day for us to surrender to his lordship for the next upgrade that we might have. You know, if you're a single adult, then you get married, guess what? You need an upgrade in your relationship with Jesus if you're married. <laughs> if you're married and you've been married for a few years, a, a, a long time, whatever, and now there's kids on Mother's Day, guess what? You need an upgrade <laughs> in your relationship with Jesus. It's all like it is. Because life before kids is different than life with after kids. And then if you are upgraded in your relationship with Jesus from life with little kids, and now they're moving into tweens and teens and adolescents, you need an upgrade in your relationship with Jesus. And then when they get married, oh, you need a big upgrade with Jesus. And then when they start having children, if they do, and you have grandkids, you need an upgrade with Jesus. Are you kind of catching the theme? We're always continuously needing an upgrade with Jesus. And that's what it means to know him daily and to walk with him. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony of those within the word that speak of your goodness, that speak of your glory, that speak of the faith, the life, the belief, the trust, the obedience, uh, and the blessing, the incredible blessing of walking with you and by faith, and we just say thank you. Now, Holy Spirit, release all the upgrades that heaven wants to distribute to earth today.
for each of us in our experience. We thank you for everything that we know of you and the truth of that knowledge. And now we just believe, Lord, that there might be just a little bit more that you want to share with us. And so we just present ourselves before you and just invite your spirit to come and to bring an upgrade of intimate relationship, intimate fellowship with you. Bring it into our awareness, in our heart, in our spirit, in our mind, in our will, and in our emotions, <coughs> and especially in our body. Praise the Lord. We want to believe. We thank you that you always hear that prayer. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And wherever we're struggling with believing, at whatever level, I just pray, Lord, that you would release the grace to put the doubt to rest. And so often, Lord, you're the one that initiates our ability to believe. So release the enabling grace to believe the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of your truth. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue in that atmosphere of just allowing the Lord to upgrade as the worship team comes and plays this last song. I pray that uh, you just feel free to just receive and allow the Lord to love you. I pray that there would be a sense of him looking into your eyes and just addressing uh, his love, faith, release, that you could, you could experience more than you ever thought was possible. Let's stand together and let's, uh, let's follow as the worship team leads us into his presence. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.